0: With the preseason now in the rearview mirror and the regular season upon us, all 32 NFL teams have to cut their rosters down to 53 players. Which players will be on the Seahawks roster when they take on the Denver Broncos in week one? Rob Rang and I are going to discuss and debate on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Joining me for a special edition Sunday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s for making Locked on Seahawks your first lesson five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The preseason is officially over, thank goodness. The Seahawks going 0-3 for in exhibition play. Not like that really matters all that much. They did play a bit better, and we'll have a chance to dive a little bit more into that game on our Monday episode. But there's something that's a bit more pressing today, Rob, because all 32 teams are already starting Their final roster cuts going from 80 down to 53 players. The Seahawks have already made a handful of cuts that have been reported today. A few of them officially confirmed by the team as well. So we'll have a chance to dive into that. But it's all about our final 53-man roster projections. Who were the last five players on the team? Who were the first five out? We're going to have a chance to break that down and look at our final projections on offense, defense, and special teams. So without further ado, let's get to it. Let's talk first five in and the last five out. The Seahawks, five last players to make the 53-man roster and the last five that were off the roster. And this is going to have an NCAA Tournament March Madness type theme to it, Rob. But basically to give the 12 that are listening to the show a little bit of an idea, a little bit of a path into our thought process on who's going to make this football team I'm going to start off a little bit with a little more of a micro-type situation. We're looking specifics here. So, Rob, I'm going to dish it over to you first. Let's talk about the players that you had as your last five in.
1: Okay. So <clears throat> I think that you, first off, before we even get into like these five individual players, Corb, I thought you did a great job of kind of, uh, you know, describing this as a little bit like the March madness. And, you know, it, it is a time of certainly jubilation if you were make uh, if you make this club, but then we're going to be talking about some players that don't make the club and obviously have a lot of tears as well, just similar to March madness when everything kind of ends so abruptly, Th- these are five players that as I see it, uh, are going to make Seattle's 53 man roster, uh, um, and we're, we're going to be breaking down why we think that that might be the case. For those of us and those of you who are able to kind of watch this uh, and you can see this, then, then you can see the players here. Corbin did a great job of creating some images for you. Uh, but I'll just list those players off real quickly. And then again, we'll kind of break them down as we go. But my five players that made my projected 53-man roster for the Seattle Seahawks in the 2022 season include the wide receivers Penny Hart, as well as Derek Young the outside linebacker slash inside linebacker Vi Jones, another inside linebacker slash, you know, kind of Rover athlete, Tanner Muse. And then my surprise pick, Joey Blunt, the safety that can play strong safety, free safety, as well as special teams.
0: Now that is definitely a surprise. That was one that I was not anticipating, but he has quietly had a good training camp at preseason. And there's been a few veteran safeties that have either been injured or have underperformed. And so there always seems like there's one wrench that's thrown in the mix, and maybe Joey Blunt ends up being that guy. As far as my last five in, we have some similar picks. Penny Hart and Tanner Muse were two of my selections. Tyreek Smith, if he was healthy and hadn't missed most of training camp, would probably not be on this list. But I do think that he's kind of on the fringe here just because he's only practiced twice and Alton Robinson's had a really good camp. Now we got to see what his knee looks like. He left Friday's game with a knee injury. Hopefully that's nothing that's significant. Nick Bloor was one of my last five in just because of his special teams capabilities and the fact they don't have much depth at linebacker right now. He's a good emergency option to have. And Marquise Blair got my 53rd spot. That's how close he was to not being on this football team. I thought he played a little bit better on Friday night, but still overall, had a pretty rough training camp for the Seahawks. A lot of missed tackles. You've got Josh Jones that's past him. Ryan Neal's going to be back healthy soon, so maybe Ryan Neal's still ahead of him. It is not a given that he is going to be on this roster come Tuesday when the deadline hits at 1 p.m.
1: Oh, no question about it. I mean, Marquise Blair is very much on the roster bubble. Uh, You know, that's one of the reasons why I had Joey Blunt making this team is because I trust Joey Blunt in coverage and his open field tackling more than I do uh, with, um, you know, Marquise. And, And at the same time, what I do see is that he is absolutely an enforcer when it comes to special teams. His ability to punch out the ball and, and create fumbles, I think I think you can protect him a little bit more on special teams. And obviously, uh, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I personally am projecting LJ Collier is not going to make this roster. And to have Seattle take an L, basically, with their first-round pick and their second-round pick in that draft class, I just don't know that that's something that you're willing to do. And as we've t- said so many times before, Corbin, I really think that safety is one of the strongest positions on this club. We, we've talked about the likelihood that Sean Desai is going to be using those three safety looks, so I think that there is a little bit more need for more bodies at that position uh, than in previous years, and again, Blair and his ability to create turnovers um, is one of the reasons why I do have him sticking on this roster, I agree with you. I think that no one should be surprised if Marquise Blair finds himself getting that the pink ticket uh, when it's all said and done. Let's slide
0: over now. We've looked at the five players that we're on the right side of the bubble. The players that are not on the right side of the bubble. We'll start with my list here. First five out. Darwin Thompson, this might surprise some people, but Ken Walker the 3rd I'm feeling like that there's a pretty good chance he's going to miss at least one game in the regular season. And you and I both know, Rob, that running back depth is a big deal. And Darwin Thompson is explosive and has the ability to play as a third down back. So I think that he is one of those players that is kind of on the bubble right now. I think with their running back situation, they're going to decide not to keep him around, but he's certainly a practice squad candidate. Vi Jones, I've been impressed, but I thought his final preseason game wasn't great. I didn't see the flashes rushing off the edge that I was hoping to, so he is one of the players that I have as one of the first five out. Freddie Swain is maybe my biggest surprise here, but he just hasn't done anything in training camp or the preseason I prefer some of the younger receivers Seattle has that are going to be under contract longer and have just, quite frankly, outperformed him over the last month. Bo Melton just missing the mark, another receiver on the list. And as you mentioned, LJ Collier, you can't get out of the tub. It's difficult to make the team. The elbow injury coupled with the fact that last year he was a healthy scratch seven games. Miles Adams playing as well as he has. Really no spot for him on this football team, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, similar for, for me, I had an LJ call, you're not making it. And, and a lot of it is because of the fact that we did see such an incredible uh, preseason for Miles Adams and just kind of stole that spot. Um, I also have Darwin Thompson as a player who is on this list. I 100% agree with you in terms of just what a talented player Darwin Thompson is. The, the fact that, that Seattle, of course, uh, you know, has historically... Kept extra backs, especially when they have the durability concerns. So and not only Ken Walker, but of course Rashad Penny have, have struggled with throughout their uh, respective NFL careers. So Darwin Thompson is one that I really kind of struggled with. I just think that it's easier to find running backs either on the practice squad or on the waiver wire. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit more of a simple conversion than perhaps an extra receiver or extra safety, considering the complexity of Seattle's offense and new defensive schemes. The, the wide receiver there, Bo Melton. The rookie has made some as has splashed, um, you know, but at the same time, there's also been just too many drops. You you, you hate to give up that type of speed on the waiver wire. Uh, but at the same time, you have Derek Young, the other rookie wide receiver making this club, at least the way that I we have it projected, I believe so. Uh, that, that's why I have Bo Melton on the outside looking in. Nick Belor is one of the ones that I really struggle with. There's no question about his ability on special teams, uh, as well as the fact that he gives you something as an inside linebacker and as a fullback. And so all of that versatility is really, really difficult to give up. I, I'm basically going to be be projecting something here, Corbin, that the Seahawks have never done in the John Schneider and Pete Carroll era, I'm basically saying they're going to keep three inside linebackers and that's not going to happen. They're going to get an extra linebacker. I just don't know that it is an older Nick Ballore. Um, And so that's one of the ones that I kind of struggle with as as well.
0: You also had John Reed there in your list, which he was maybe my number six or seven guy. If he would have been healthy all training camp, he might've been on my first four or first five out But unfortunately, missed some time. And this is a corner group that proved to be pretty deep. And you've got some really good young talent in Tariq Wolland and Kobe Bryant as well. Mike Jackson playing lights out throughout the preseason. Unfortunately, just not a spot for him. We're going to shift gears now here. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to be revealing our offensive picks for the 53-man roster. We've now looked at who the last five players on the roster were. The first five that were booted from the roster. Now we're going to look more big-picture who made the team on offense coming up next here on Locked on Seahawks. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, whether it's Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, or even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting to scores and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Sunday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen. Five days a week, in this case, six days a week we greatly appreciate it continuing our final 53 man roster projections. We've kind of outlined where things are going here looking at the last 5 players that we included in our rosters and the first 5 players that we excluded from our rosters. So now let's look more big picture here, Rob. On the offensive side of the football, going to kick it over to you first with your offensive depth chart. And as we can see, this is Rob's 53 man I'm going to not lie here, Rob. Mine is identical to you, but we can have a chance to kind of look at some positions that maybe we were a little torn on.
1: Well, I think just starting right off the bat, uh, you know, look at the quarterback position. Only Juice G- Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke. Uh, no Jacob Beeson at, at this point. Um, I think that Jacob Beeson showed some flashes uh throughout training camp and the the preseason but just not enough to to warrant keeping him when it's very clearly been a, basically a two-man race uh at the quarterback position so to me that's one of the things that uh, i i would kind of start off with we talked about the the concerns that we have at the running back position i think it's an easy position to make an argument that you should keep a fifth back which seattle has done at times in the past uh you know again with, with a guy like darwin thompson with with josh johnson uh, um, you know, and, and then Ronnie Rivers, who has been reported was released today uh, on Sunday, another really good football player. So to me, those were the most difficult positions because of the versatility, uh, the position of versatility. Guys like Jake Curran and Kyle Fuller, I thought that both of them had solid performances against Dallas. Uh, I like the position of versatility. Kyle Fuller sliding over to play some guard late in that game. I like that. I think that's one of the reasons why it made offensive line a little bit uh, easier to kind of pare that down. I'm intrigued by the Dakota Shepley, Greg Island, et cetera. But at the same time, I just don't think that they are starting caliber players, whereas the rest of the nine that we have on there, I think have made this club easily.
0: Yeah. The offensive line to me, the nine players have been pretty set in stone since training camp opened. You needed to have somebody like a Dakota Shepley or a Greg Island rise up and just surprise out of nowhere. And quite frankly, they both had poor performances in Friday's game against the Cowboys. So Any hope they had for crashing this roster was lost. Now, that does not mean they won't be practice squad guys because certainly the Seahawks want to retain as many of those players as they can. Liam Ryan is actually a player that I thought played really well on Friday. He missed a good chunk of camp, though. He's an intriguing practice squad player coming from Washington State, but not on my roster. And as I mentioned, our 53s are identical. The position that was the one that I was most torn on was the receiver spot. As I mentioned, Darwin Thompson at running back maybe could have considered there. Tight end was very cut and dry with those top three players. Tyler Mabry's banged up, didn't have a great camp, so he's not going to be pushing for a roster spot. But that receiver position, you've got your two rookies, Derek Young and Bo Melton. you got a player in Marquise Goodwin who didn't play in any of the preseason games because he's been injured. D. Eskridge missed the first two preseason games. But we did get to see what he looked like on Friday night. And I thought he looked really good on the couple punt returns that he had. Just a different gear than what you're going to get from Freddie Swain back there. And I already mentioned Freddie Swain was one of my first five players out. Just did not see enough from him. This really boiled down to Freddie Swain up against Derek Young and Penny Hart. And then you have Marquise Goodwin against Bo Melton is really what it boiled down to. And ultimately, I decided Derek Young had too good of a training camp. And really, he led the team in receiving yards the other day after a rough start to the game. He has shown that he can bounce back from adversity. I like the size. I like the measurables that he brings to the table. I don't think you can sneak him to the practice squad. So I think you've got to have Derek Young in this roster. Goodwin's 4-3 speed and the fact that he has that relationship with Sanjay Law. I mean, he hasn't played in the preseason, but... A lot of the other receivers have struggled, so he didn't really lose anything not playing in those games. I think he and Eskridge are both on this team, Swain and Melton on the outside looking in. Melton being the player that's more likely to be retained as a practice squad player. I could see somebody else kicking the tires on Swain because of his production a year ago. I just don't think he's earned a spot on this roster, Rob.
1: I, I would agree with you. I think that Freddie Swain has, a, has had a really questionable camp. Uh, you know, I thought he was really plagued with inconsistency. Uh, I thought that he looked more like a rookie than, than some of the other uh first year players that we, we talked about. Certainly Tariq Young, I thought was was basically head and shoulders uh about Freddie Swain, and that, that's why I kept in there. Penny Hart, because of the special team's abilities, uh just the how uh how physical that, that he plays, how reliable that that he is. Uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin's one that has me a little bit spooked because all we've heard is Pete Carroll just gush about the veteran, but we haven't been able to actually see it, and that makes me nervous. Just knowing how Pete has has been in the past sometimes. So, the, but at the same time, there is no question about his straight line speed, and I feel very strongly that that he would get some interest on the waiver wire. I think the Bo Melton might be somebody that Seattle loses. I think that the Freddie Swain might be somebody that Seattle loses. Uh, at the same time, I just think that the players that we have projected to, to stay on this roster are, are better fits for where Seattle's system is going at this point. And then, you know, it goes without saying that you're obviously going to have the the, the Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalfs at the top. And and I do think it's important to kind of just mention the other players that we're projecting to be released at this point. We're, we're listing all the players that are going to make it, but it, besides, besides Swain, I'm talking about Aaron Fuller, Kade Johnson, Kevin Cassis, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Not none of those players, in my opinion, were as consistent as the guys that we just mentioned as making this club and so that's why uh, we have it projected the way that we do
0: yeah those players you mentioned especially our sega white side when that trade was made he was put in a spot you really can't win unless he would have gone out and just had a monster couple preseason games and just forced the Seahawks hand. It was really a two week flyer. So I don't see him making this roster and I I'm going to admit it. I forgot to put his name down on my 90 player, my 80 player roster today when I was starting to do my cut tracker. That is how underwhelming the two weeks he's been here has been. And I'm not necessarily bashing him for that. He was put in a really bad spot and he's only been with the team for a few weeks, but not going to be making this roster. Since you and I are in agreement here as far as every single position group across the board, we have to keep in mind that there are going to be some players on this roster that were not in training camp in the preseason with the Seahawks. It happens every single year. So, Rob, looking at Seattle's offensive depth chart, I'll put yours up again for our YouTube listeners. What is one position on here that you absolutely anticipate that the Seahawks are going to have a different name in week one that isn't here and hasn't been on the roster to this point?
1: Well, I think for offense, it's not necessarily going to be an addition. I think there's a possibility there could be a subtraction at the running back position. We, we, we talked so much before about how deep that position is the, 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 Seattle signing Ronnie Rivers right before the Dallas game, I thought was interesting. Uh, I I think that they want to get him um, familiar with their offense in case they need him. And so if some club out there is just desperate for running back, and believe me, there are plenty of them out there desperate for running backs. If if someone dangles a mid-round pick at you for a Travis Homer or even a DJ Dallas, I, I think Seattle has to at least consider that. And so that would be, and this is something that Seattle has done many, many times. We've seen so many trades, Uh, you know, Jadavian Clowney was acquired for crying out loud, uh, you know, during this kind of time period, you know, a few years ago. So that's the thing. This is something that Seattle has done in the past. And and so I would not be surprised if they trade from a position of strength, running back or safety, and then try to bring in some talent, maybe at that inside linebacker position, or if we're talking offense, then I, I think that. Again, I I am a little bit nervous about the fact that you just have very little depth at offensive tackle with any type of real experience. And so I would not be surprised if that's something that Seattle looks to acquire off the waiver wire, not necessarily make a trade for.
0: Yeah, I think the position group that has to be addressed here in the waiver wire, if we're talking about additions, I think tackle makes some sense if you can bring in an established veteran that becomes available But I'm looking at that backup center position. You mentioned Kyle Fuller, the versatility he brings. We have seen who Kyle Fuller is. And again, he has carved out a multi-year career as an undrafted rookie coming out of Baylor. He has started games at both guard spots. He started games at center. He's even started a game or two at tackle. And so he deserves kudos for that. But... I feel like he is on this roster right now more by default than anything else because Dakota Shepley had an opportunity here and he was not able to seize it. Neither one of those players have shown me, based on what I've seen at practice and in these preseason games, that they are the right fit to be the backup center. I think Austin Blythe has looked pretty good, so maybe they've got their upgrade they've been looking for at the pivot position. He knows this offense inside and out, but look to see if there's somebody else out there on the waiver wire. That's got some experience. That's a good scheme fit. I think there might be a few centers out there that they can kick the tires on and they could keep Fuller around. Maybe it's a guy they add to their practice squad down the line at center, but I think they've got to be keeping an open mind at that position. And I'd be remiss not to mention Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know that that's going to happen, but at some point the 49ers are going to cut ties with Jimmy Garoppolo. And when that happens, the Seahawks are going to be a team that everybody's going to be looking at, especially with the way that this quarterback lack of competition just played out between Geno Smith and drew lock. If the Seahawks feel like lock has no chance to be the guy at any point this year, then they could very easily turn to Jimmy Garoppolo. But I would think that'd be a situation where you bring him in, you're expecting he's going to start for you down the road. So, Time will tell if that happens, but certainly center. And if they're going to go for Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, then that is maybe somebody that can be on this roster here at some point early in the season. All right, let's shift gears now, Rob. We agreed completely on the offensive side of the football in our final 53 man roster projections. But I will say this right now, there are some stark differences on what we visualize is going to happen on the defensive side of the football, flipping it back over to you. You mentioned Joey Blunt earlier, What went into that decision-making process, putting Joey Blunt as your second undrafted rookie? You actually have two undrafted rookie defenders making this roster in your final projections.
1: Well, that's part of it, is I think that you're just going to have a a significant youth movement. Uh, I think that that Seattle's track record of undrafted free agency speaks for itself. Um, As I mentioned before with, with Sean Desai, I am anticipating there being a lot more three safety looks. Let's face it, one of the biggest knocks on Jamal Adams, as well as Quandre Diggs, has been struggles with durability, as terrific of football players as they are. Josh Jones, has I think right there with Miles Adams, has been arguably Seattle's defensive MVP, throughout training camp and the preseason, but at the same time, you're still talking about a player who, you know, as a second-round pick, wound up getting himself cut in Green Bay. So if that's what you're kind of banking on is the flashes that you've seen in preseason, then you might as well continue to go with some flashes. And Blunt, to me, is kind of, he was not a guy that I was necessarily quite as high on when this whole process started off. We, we talked about Bubba Bolden, we talked about Deontay Williams, Scott Nelson, all these other undrafted free agent safeties. and yet, Blunt was the one that kept making the plays. I mean, when I was there in person watching practice, when I've seen the you know, the games and, and watching the All-22, not just the sideline view kind of stuff, I mean, I saw Blunt take really sharp, Confident angles to the football and and make very clean tackles on special teams and on defense and just knowing the way that the NFL is gearing more and more towards the passing game, guys with that type of positional versatility and reliable open field tackling are basically worth their weight in gold. And yet, at the same time, I mentioned reliable tackling and then have Marquise Blair come out my mouth next. It's his struggles with tackles are why I think that if you're going to keep Marquise Blair. Then you need to have a little bit of a plan for him, maybe a little bit of somebody pushing him. And so that's basically the rationale is I think that safety is one of Seattle's strongest points positions. I think inside linebacker is one of their ugliest positional groups, certainly once you get past Brooks and Barton at the, as the starters. So that's what I'm projecting is Seattle to keep five safeties in their initial roster, initial 53 man roster. And then we'll see if there's some wiggle room. I do expect the club to wind up having at least four inside linebackers on this roster when they actually suit up against the Denver Broncos
0: yeah we'll get to that here in a moment as far as potential additions but kind of looking at my thought process of the safety position our listeners that are watching YouTube might be wondering where is Ryan Neal on your projection well on my projection Ryan Neal is on this roster as is Marquise Blair I don't have any of the undrafted rookies making this team now I do think that Joey Blunt and Scott Nelson Have a really good chance to be on the practice squad, maybe even Deontay Williams, any one of those three players. They've shown enough in camp and preseason games to keep around and try to develop. I think Williams, with him being 25 years old, that might be what curtails Seattle from keeping him over the other two guys who are younger players that you can continue to develop. But Ryan Neal, based on what Pete Carroll said, maybe he's not ready for week one. Maybe we revisit this down the line and he's on injured reserve to start the season. That's possible. He could miss the first four games. But I cannot see the Seahawks giving up on a guy that has been a core special teams player for them. He is beloved in the locker room. The coaching staff loves him. To me, if one of those two players is going to be gone, I actually think that it's going to be Marquise Blair because of his contract situation very last year of his rookie deal. The injuries, Ryan Neal has been consistent. Ryan Neal has been durable for the most part. He's had a few minor injuries, a few nicks and bruises, but he has played. He's given you reps at both safety positions. I just can't see Pete Carroll letting him go. If they're going to be cutting one of those guys, Blair just has not shown enough and the durability issues missing so many games the last couple of years. He's clearly the more talented player of the two, but sometimes that is not the ultimate decider when you're trying to figure out what you're going to be doing with the roster. And so that safety position, we both get five. Our big difference, you got an undrafted rookie, and I don't. Let's look at some other spots on the depth chart. You and I both have Miles Adams making it over LJ Collier. At this point, that just seems like it is de facto at this point because Miles Adams has been so darn impressive throughout training camp of the preseason. Collier did not play in that finale. And then in the edge rusher position, Tyreek Smith, I have making the team. I have Nick Ballore making this roster as well as Tanner Muse. And again, this is based on just who is on the team right now. I'm not projecting that week one that both those guys are going to be there. Seattle may very well add a player or two at that position from other teams that's going to upgrade their depth. That is not a good position group right now. Shaky depth, razor thin depth at this point. Shaky at worst, terrifying there. But I think Muse and Ballore right now are both in this roster behind Brooks and Barton. You're hoping you can get John Radigan back from the pup list at some point and maybe he can give you some reinforcements depth wise corner we're thinking the same with jones woolen burns bryant jackson and coleman being there eventually brown fitting in there but for the most part rob our 53s are pretty much aligned the difference here is that you're viewing a couple of these undrafted players by jones making the team instead of nick Ballore and again ushering in that youth movement
1: Yep. Uh, Vi Jones, to me, make the squad. I mean, when I saw him in August, I was impressed uh, or excuse me, in in May, I was impressed during the, you know, the rookie mini camps and things like that. And that just stood out uh, all throughout training camp, all throughout the preseason games. Um, I would, you know, you and I do agree on a lot on our on our show uh but i would disagree with one thing that you said a little bit earlier i th- there were some i thought some splashy uh pass rush moves shown by by Jones um I, I just the footwork I and mean, there, there was one play in particular he's coming off the right side and he beats the right tackle just on his footwork and then just stumbles when he had a clear spot to the quarterback and so certainly he did not finish the play and obviously that's what you' need to do but at the same time considering the how little that he has been used as a pass rusher i mean occasionally I'm blitzing but not as a as a true three-4 rush linebacker the fact that he has the versatility be able to play that inside linebacker spot uh you know and then again the athletic ability and the temperament that I'm looking for on special teams as well basically i am choosing the upside that is Vi Jones over the better more consistent more dependable football player right now that is Nick Bellore. and Nick Bellore is 33 and a half uh due to make what two and a half million or a little bit, maybe less than that this year, but, but close to that, I just don't see the upside. I, I, he is one of the better special teams players in the league. I mean, or at least certainly on Seattle's roster, but what value does that actually give you? If you're going to make the the youth movement, he is not a quality middle or inside linebacker at this point in his career. There's just too many missed tackles that we talked about. So to me, this is a similar conversation to what we just had with Marquise Blair versus Ryan Neal versus, uh, you know, whoever else. Uh, in, in this case, I, I mentioned Joy Blunt in that I, I'm going for the upside. I'm going for the players that I think that the other NFL teams, if you put them on the waiver wire, they're going to steal them. And I think that if I Jones is put on the waiver wire, I worry for Seattle that somebody's going to take him. I worry the same thing for Blunt. Whereas if you put a guy like Nick Belor out there, someone might take him, but is it really going to hurt the future of your franchise? That's the struggle here because Nick Belor is a terrific football player. And I think that, as you said before, and I think eloquently about Ryan Neal and what he means to this team, I think the same thing could be said for Nick Belor.
0: Yeah, I think my concern here, I completely get where you're coming from. And I considered going with some of those undrafted rookies, particularly Vi Jones. I think he has the best chance of any of the undrafted rookies being on this team just because we have seen those flashes and there's so much room to grow. And it's funny, Mike Robinson was mentioning him wearing 50. I thought it was KJ Wright out there. And that has been something you and I have joked about a little bit. He's got that long frame, the long arms, really athletic. It just feels like if you could put a little more muscle on it that he's got a chance to be a contributor for you on defense. I just don't know that he's there yet. I don't know if he can sneak into practice squad. My concern is we've seen what the special teams already look like. And if you get rid of Nick Ballore, who is, to me, the linchpin of their special teams units, the kick and punt coverage, you get rid of a veteran like that, given all the youth they've already got out there and how rough it has looked. Can you imagine what the first couple of weeks minimum are going to look like with this group when you're just trying to break in all these young players I think you've got to keep him around. Now, maybe it's one of those situations you cut him and bring him back with a non-guaranteed salary. They did that with Ballor a couple of years ago, in fact. Maybe they do that. But I expect that he's going to be on this roster because Larry Izzo has to be saying, hey, you can't cut all of my proven veterans. we got to have somebody out there that can teach these youngsters the ropes. And Nick Ballor is the perfect guy to do that, especially with how popular that he is in the locker room. Now, real quick, It's pretty obvious which position on the depth chart here in defense Seattle needs to be aggressive trying to pursue upgrades in the waiver wire or trade market. But is there any position that you think could be a surprise here, aside from linebacker, that Seattle might be looking for some players that can help them on Sundays that are not currently on the roster?
1: You know, I, I don't think so. But again, I think the addition by subtraction kind of a thing, I would not be surprised at all if Seattle considers some type of trade at the safety spot, uh, maybe even you know corner spots. Because they are as high as I am and you are um, on, on these rookie corners, then I, I think that does give you a little bit a, of potential to be able to dangle a player out there. Uh, you know, I think the Sidney Jones is a, is a good football player. Artie Burns is a good football player. But again, if somebody is going to give you mid-round selections for these kind of players, the way that seattle is doing this roster rebuild same thing and i would be shocked to see quandra Diggs or jamal adams traded but if any of those other players if there's some other clubs out there who are interested in giving you uh an an inside linebacker for a corner or for a safety i think that's something that seattle has to consider so i i don't think that you're going to see any type of massive changes here Uh, i think that seattle has to feel pretty good about their defense as a whole but there's no question about inside linebacker is a position of concern I'll throw out one wild card spot.
0: I think Kobe Bryant has really taken to the slot position well. But Justin Coleman, in my opinion, has had kind of a – I'm not going to say disappointing, but has not been a great preseason and training camp at this point. He's an aging slot corner. If the right player becomes available, a younger slot corner that fits man coverage like the Seahawks are expected to run more of this year – then I could certainly see Seattle taking a stab on the waiver wire or even trying to do a swap if they have another position where they have a surplus of players and they want to go get a slot corner. I think that that could be a position they look at. Again, I think Kobe Bryant looks pretty good there. Maybe that's where his future is. I still view him as an outside corner with Tariq Wolin and those two guys being your long-term starters there. But right now, he looks good in that position. So maybe Seattle won't press the issue there but John Schneider traded for Justin Coleman initially that way and he has traded for slot corners a couple of other times this time of year so that might be a wild card spot just to keep a very close eye on we'll see what happens there's already been a handful of cuts that have been made by the Seahawks and by Tuesday they will have their roster at least preliminarily trimmed down to 53 men and there will be plenty of more roster jockeying taking place after that as they gear up for week one against the Denver Broncos. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up on our Monday episode, we're going to check out the latest roster cuts by the Seahawks, a little bit of analysis, analysis on some of the moves that the Seahawks make over the next couple of days, and some Monday musings. Our final look at that final preseason game against the Cowboys, what went right, what went wrong on offense, defense, and special teams. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you then. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bill Hawks.